we continue worshiping together today, siblings, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or Bible apps to the book of Genesis, the 32nd chapter, beginning with the 22nd verse. Let us receive together the word of God. The same night, he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him in the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may spirit move in and through my humble offering today so that your word might go forth and land in all the places that it needs to. Help us be connected in your spirit in all the places we are. Move us, encourage us, and strengthen us by your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's a scene tailor-made for a movie script or a budding psychoanalyst's dissertation. The archetypes are stacked up one on top of another. Estranged twin brothers who have different ways of being in the world a shadowy antagonist, a struggle alongside a river crossing with heavy foreboding on either side, that thin place that exists in the early hours just before dawn. And Jacob is at the center of this scene. Over the centuries, he's become a kind of stock character a trickster, a hustler. His name is translated, he supplants or just heel. For he was born holding the heel of his twin brother Esau. From the beginning of his life, he's engaged in one kind of struggle after another, working angles, trying to get ahead. And he always seems to come out somehow smelling like a rose, always one step ahead of danger. 
But on this night, Jacob knows that his life may have finally caught up with him in a way that might be the death of him. Little context. At God's leading, after around 20 years away, Jacob is heading back home after some trouble up north with his father-in-law. Now, Jacob's brother, Esau, still living down south in their hometown, vowed to kill Jacob back in the day when Jacob stole his birthright and took his blessing. So Jacob, on his way home, sends word ahead to his brother, letting him know that he's done all right for himself and that he's coming and that, you know, he'd like to make up. Their response from Esau is swift. Esau is on the march to meet Jacob with 400 men. Cue the ominous orchestral theme. Jacob does several things at this point. He prays to God, humbly, but directly. He prays, I'm not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and the faithfulness that you have shown, O God. He prays, I am afraid of him, his brother. And then he reminds God in his prayer, just in case God forgot, you have said, I will surely do you good. So Jacob prays. He also sends gifts ahead to try to appease his brother and sends his wives and his children ahead of him as well, not really knowing how all that's going to go. Jacob has done everything he can. He's worked all the angles he's got. He's prayed, he's planned, he's gifted. And now he's alone. I want us to imagine for a moment Jacob, afraid, and knowing that he may die. I want us to imagine him reflecting on his life. The way that he came into the world holding on to his brother. The way that that relationship got twisted in part through the actions of their parents. How Jacob developed his own strengths of quick wit and cleverness so different from his brother's strength and, uh, and gifts as a hunter and in the fields. How Jacob had gone through an elaborate ruse to try to be like his brother. Do you remember that story? He had tried to be like his brother so that he might finally get the blessing of his father. I imagine Jacob thinking about how in the process of doing that, he hurt his brother and he humiliated his father and as a result had to flee his home and to leave the fierce love and protection of his mother. I imagine Jacob remembering all the highs and the lows of love and of marriage, the complications with Leah and Rachel and with his father-in-law, Laban. He might also have played back memories, the faces of his children, 
the moments of great joy and bounty and beauty in his life. And I am quite certain that he also replayed all that he had said and done that was unkind and unjust and deceitful and hurtful. I imagine Jacob looking back over his life to this point with a mixture of gratitude and regret and guilt and fear and hope all tumbling over his mind like a creek flowing over rocks. And when night fell, the wrestling began. Can you relate? <laughs> Ever found yourself awake in the wee hours of the night in a kind of wrestling match in your heart and your mind? Your story, of course, won't include the details of Jacob's life, but who among us doesn't at some point grapple with fear? Who among us doesn't carry things from childhood forward that we are bound to run into along our life's journey? Who among us is without the marks of our parental or sibling relationships on our psyches? We've all made decisions that led down one path or another, sometimes into danger and regret, and other times into freedom and joy. There are different energies within us, like twins, who have different gifts and strengths, all deserving nurture and love, but often it's difficult to honor all of those energies together with any sense of wholeness. What have you done in order to try to get love? What have you sacrificed in order to try to earn the blessing that you crave? What have you been willing to do? Who have you been willing to hurt in order to gain wealth or comfort or pleasure? What losses have you suffered that are yet uncared for? What wounds untended? What are you proud of in your life? And what would you give anything to do over? when we're alone, when it's clear that we are vulnerable, that things will be different one way or another, when it's clear that we must confront the reality of our life, all our history, our personality, our gifts, our mistakes, our strengths, our woundedness, our complications, all of it. In those moments, we wrestle. It's a struggle. That's what happened, I think, with Jacob. Is he fighting with himself? Like Luke in the cave? Those of you who know will know. Is Jacob wrestling with a demon? With an angel? With God? Because you know, at the beginning of the story, it doesn't say. In any case, the struggle is intense 
and it leaves Jacob limping. But he holds on. He holds on even when the man tells him to let go. He holds on even when he doesn't have a clue who he's wrestling. He holds on when it seems to me that it would have been a big relief just to let that assailant go on its merry way. But Jacob would not let go. And it's here that the story turns. You know, you can characterize Jacob in all sorts of ways. But the thing that seems consistent throughout his story is that he is determined to fight for the life that he longs for. And he's not afraid to ask for the blessing that he needs. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The response to Jacob is simple. What is your name? All Jacob has is the name he's been given. Jacob, which means the supplanter, the usurper, the heel. In speaking his name, Jacob makes a kind of confession, an admission of the mix and the mess and the striving of his life. Here I am, alone, just Jacob. Not Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham, just Jacob. And this one with whom Jacob has been wrestling has something to say to that. Something like that name, that narrative is not all of who you are. All the striving of your life, the struggle with humans, with yourself and with me has led you to this moment. And when you cross this river, when you pass into this new day dawning, when you leave this place walking differently as a result, I will call you Israel. Jacob asks the man's name, and the implication is beginning to get clear. This is God, y'all. And I hear God ask Jacob, do you really need to ask my name? There God blessed Jacob slash Israel. What was the blessing? Well, I wonder whether that whole encounter was the blessing, this close encounter with the living God. What is Jacob's grappling with self, others, and God teach us about our own grappling, our own struggle? If Jacob's story is any indication, we learn that the whole of our lives is held in God. The painful bits and the joyful surprises, the tensions, the triumphs, our highs and our lows, 
God is always at work for good, not just in the world around us, but in our world. Paul writes, we heard this just a couple of weeks ago, Paul writes in Romans 8, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to God's purpose. Lately, this verse has been making more and more sense to me. It isn't that God causes everything that happens to you or in the world, but that God is with you in all of it and desires nothing more than to help you come through to survive stronger, wiser, with more compassion and with more love. Jacob's story reminds us that God knows all of you, so you might as well be honest. God knows you better than you know yourself. Not only what you have done, but why you've done it, even when you might not know why you did it. God knows. God knows everything you've experienced, suffered, offered, achieved, everything you've sacrificed, everything you've dreamed, how hard you try and how much you're carrying. God knows what you've done that was harmful and hurtful. God knows it all. If you read the whole of Jacob's story, you'll see God was in all of it, knew it all, and just keeps showing up for Jacob, even when you think that Jacob doesn't deserve it. Morning by morning, new mercies are received over and over. I'm increasingly convinced that perhaps the most difficult thing for many of us to grapple with is God's mercy. To acknowledge, honestly acknowledge all of who you are, all of it. And then to receive God's mercy is a deeply humbling, awful, full of awe experience. Because you know you didn't earn that mercy, but that somehow God believes you're worthy. Receiving God's mercy is a blessing that if fully received, changes us because we begin to recognize the depth of God's love and of God's stubbornness. God is determined to get it through our thick heads that we're more than the worst thing we've done, that we're more than the self-limiting names, the self-limiting labels, the self-limiting titles, the self-limiting whatever that we have assigned to ourselves or that others have assigned to us. We are more. You are more than that. We struggle, I think, to believe that God 
cares so much? With all these other things going on in the world, how could God care about you, about me? We struggle to believe, I think, that God loves us and wants to bless us. You know what I realized in a way I don't think I've ever realized in the same way? Jacob, as I was studying this, Jacob is a champion of demanding the blessing that God always wants to give. Many among us today are metaphorically at the ford of the Javik River right now. Some are facing difficult decisions, perhaps feeling stranded and afraid, uncertain about the future or how to proceed. Having worked every angle, <laughs> done everything you know how to do. Many among us are weary and worn down with grief and rage and loneliness and stress. Some among us are paralyzed with guilt and regret, a sense of unworthiness or emptiness. Others are trying to discern how to step into life as it continues to shift and change all around us, how to adapt to find ways to thrive, to serve, to grow. As a nation, we're standing at the river, being asked who we are, being asked to tell the truth about our whitewashed history. God knows. God knows it all. As a nation together, we are standing at the river being asked if we are willing to hold on, even though it's painful to acknowledge our nation's sins, even though some among us have been sinned against by our nation. Will we hold on? We're being asked whether we're willing to meet as siblings and to write a new narrative of true liberty and justice for all, whether we're willing to be substantively changed so that we move together in a new way. When we find ourselves at this point of wrestling, of struggling, the point of crossing over, when things get really difficult, when we feel most vulnerable, weary, guilty, wounded, uncertain, angry, and afraid, knowing that things in our lives need to change, the temptation may be to just give in, to shut down, or to let go of faith, hope, and love, to let go of God. At this point... God always shows up and takes hold of us. Perhaps sometimes as a parent tenderly holds a child, perhaps other times as a mysterious wrestling partner, maybe sometimes in the middle. But in any case, like Jacob, our part is to hold on. 
It's to persevere. It's to not let go before we step into or are carried into the new day that will dawn. As we hold on to God, trusting God to hold on to us, we face what is before us. We eventually learn to let go of our idols of self-sufficiency and control and comfort. As we hold on to God, we eventually learn to let go of the names and narratives that hold us back from the life God knows is ours to live. As we hold on to God, we learn eventually to let go of our deepest fears and self-loathing. As we hold on to God, Jacob teaches us not only to expect, but to ask for God's blessing, even demand it. (laughs) That blessing may not be what you imagine, but it will be life for you because it will always be some form of God's tender mercy and liberating love. And that's something you won't want to let go, even if you could. Amen.